Hi, I'm Ty Cooper, the Managing Director of Policy and Advocacy at the New Jersey Economic Development Authority. Welcome to eConversations, the NJEDA podcast. Today, very lucky to be here with Tim Sullivan, the CEO of the NJEDA. Thanks Hi, Tim. Hi, Ty. Thanks so <laughs> much for having me. It's good to be here. Glad to have you here. So exciting times over at NJEDA. You're new to this role. Is it still new now? Does it feel still new? Well, I'm less new than I used to be. I, I joined new. up uh, in mid-February of 2018, so depending on... Uh, when this gets posted, I'll be here, you know, almost 18 months uh, or so. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's been it's been great. It's been a great learning experience and it's been uh, it's been a fun and engaging 18 months. There you go. Can you give us an overview of kind of what your role encompasses? This is a new pivot for NJEDA. New plans are on the horizon, new incentives, really exciting stuff. So just how are you looking at your role at EDA as we're transitioning into this great new position? Well, I think that, you know, this this job for uh for me, has been an extraordinarily uh, fun opportunity to, first of all, come back and work for my home state. I grew up in Bergen County. and uh, Shout out to Bergen shout County. Shout out to Bergen County, <laughs> one of the 21 best counties in New Jersey. Um, <laughs> it, uh, and I, I grew up in uh, grew up in North Jersey and, and went away to college. I worked in New York City and worked in Connecticut for a bunch of years. But uh, get a, to get a chance to come home and work for the home team has been, uh, has been fun. Great, great. And so this past fall, under no pressure at all, um, the governor launched his Stronger, Fairer plan. Can you give us an idea about what that looks like and what the implementation strategy is for that? And this is a whole new pivot for NJEDA. So just go over some of the criteria for the new plan. Sure. So the plan is called State of Innovation, uh, Building a Stronger and Fairer New Jersey Economy, um, or Fairer Economy in New Jersey. Um, and it really builds on the themes that um, you know then-candidate Murphy into, into Governor Murphy uh, articulated during the campaign uh, and, and, and through the early days of the administration of uh, really two main areas of focus. One, how do we build an economy that is both stronger and fairer at the same time? And I think one of the things that is the hallmark of the plan is that it articulates very clearly um, something the governor believes very strongly, which is that being stronger and fairer are, are mutually reinforcing goals. Those are not goals in tension. We, are, uh, we do you know, we can do well and do good at the same time. We can uh, build an economy that is stronger because it is fairer and fairer because it is stronger. Uh, and the, the, that sort of central uh, philosophy underpins, I think, everything that, that, um, that, comes, that comes behind it in the, in the plan. The second piece of it is a little bit more specifically, how do we reclaim New Jersey's leadership position in innovation? Before there was a Silicon Valley, there was New Jersey. Uh, and you know, this... This state, uh, through places like Bell Labs and Sarnoff Labs, and the you know the pharmaceutical industry that took root here, starting back in the 19th century into the 20th century, you know we've been home to, you know some of the game-changing, uh, economy-making discoveries that have really powered the American century. Whether it's you know the pharmaceutical industry or some of the you know technology and radar and some of the other wonderful things, and hugely impactful things, uh, were discovered here in New Jersey and commercialized here in New Jersey. Uh, and for a whole bunch of reasons, uh, over the last 15 to 20 years, New Jersey's lost a little bit of that edge. Mm-hmm. And getting back to the you know the very front of the pack on the innovation economy is is enormously important. And something that Governor Murphy and our team think about every single day. So I think that's really exciting. And one of the new positions that EDA took was really working with some of these other state agencies that were fully on board with the planning of this new state plan. Can you talk a little bit about that process and why it was so important to include these other agencies? Yeah, I think one of the things that's really important about uh, sort of thinking and maybe shifting a bit how we think at the state level about economic development, um, yes, we're the Economic Development Authority. We have that those words you know, in the title of our agency. But to really truly pursue comprehensive, sustainable, inclusive economic development really requires a whole-of-government response and a partnership mentality that says not just the state agencies, but our partners in the cities and counties, and also partners in the private sector, nonprofit world, foundation world, are, are enormously important to developing and honing 
um, New Jersey's economic competitiveness for the long term. So if we're going to make a run at really improving our infrastructure and having the kind of talent um, that that comp- that businesses want and that creates the opportunities for you know jobs in the 21st century, that means that uh, you know the work that's done at places like New Jersey Transit, the Department of Environmental Protection, uh, Community Affairs, and their work with uh, the Lieutenant Governor's leadership with with cities and towns, particularly our big cities, uh, that that work is enormously important and it has to be done in a coordinated, integrated. Um, systematic and strategic way. And so we, you know, the tools that we have at the Economic Development Authority, whether it's the tools we have today or the tools we might have in the future, um, are only part of a solution. You've got to have um, a comprehensive approach to economic development. That's something that's laid out in the governor's plan in things like investing in people. You know, there's which one of the four kind of big chapters um, of the plan. You know, there's 70-something initiatives in the plan. EDA is responsible for, you know, a portion of those, but there are things like, um, you know, significantly increasing the resources and the quality of uh, of our state's apprenticeship programs. Enormously important. You know, we're just cheerleaders for that. We're just supporters of that. But having those programs tied into um, the priority industries that we're focusing on, for example, it's important. If you're going to have an apprenticeship program, let's try and tie that into the uh, industries that we think exactly. are the areas of focus for us and for the administration broadly. Can you walk us through the strategies behind the plan and some of the goals? Because they're very specific and intentional. And you, mm-hmm. you hit on one by saying investing in communities and investing in people, which is very different um, or a change from what NJEDA used to do. So can you walk us through those? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think there's there's two dimensions to this. There's, there's the goals and there's the strategies. Mm-hmm. And I think taking a step back from the strategies like investing in people and investing in communities um, – Determining and setting the right goals that we're going to measure and hold ourselves accountable to, I think, is a really important, um, uh, a, a really important moment in any economic plan. Um, and if you look at our plan, Governor Murphy's plan, um, I think you see a very different set of goals articulated than some other places around the country and, and how it's been pursued in New Jersey. Uh, you know, there's lots of different economic indicators you can look at. You can look at GDP. You can look at unemployment rates. You can look at, you know, a million different economic indicators. We've chosen to focus on. Uh, five that we think are really important, but also distinguish this plan and 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 put some uh, meat on the bones of what it means to be a pro-growth, progressive economic development plan. So yes, we want to create jobs, um, and we want to we want to lead the pack in creating jobs. But let's let's think about more than just let's create jobs. What quality of jobs right. are we focusing on? And so let's look at wages. You know, if, if people are working more and taking home less. I'm not sure that's an outcome anyone would be proud to stand up and cheer about. Um, New Jersey was 49th in the country from 2007 to 2017 in median wage growth. Mm. We actually had negative median wage growth across that period of time. Um, so the, you know, the, the average or the typical New Jersey worker is working the same amount of hours and taking home less pay than they were 10 years ago. That's not an outcome that we should be um, excited about. Um, and so let's lead the let's lead the pack in let's lead the pack in the region not just in job creation but in wage growth that's one of those those two goals so those are the first two goals the third is how do you repower the innovation economy by one building the most inclusive and diverse innovation ecosystem in the country everyone wants to have an innovation ecosystem there's an innovation plan for the state of hawaii and the state of iowa and new york city and everywhere else in between but how do we what's what's our niche what's our, what's our hook what's what can we do better than everyone else and we think one of those opportunities is to build a truly diverse and inclusive innovation ecosystem at the founder level and at the employee level as well so that you know we have a you know one of the, one of the great attributes of new jersey's um, economy and of our state in general we are such a wonderfully diverse and inclusive place um, our innovation ecosystem should look like new jersey uh, and it should have representation and and create benefits that benefit everybody uh, and that's not been the case in places like northern california and other you know innovation ecosystems that um, have not been diverse and inclusive um, 
and so that's goal three is how do we focus on sort of a diverse and inclusive innovation mm -hmm. ecosystem. The fourth is a, is a is a really bold and ambitious goal, which is how do we we have some of the most uh, yawning gaps on the wage and employment side between uh, communities of color and the rest of the economy, uh, and that's both unacceptable and fixable if we focus on it. So one of the one of the major areas of focus of Governor Murphy's plan is a goal to narrow and eventually close the wage and unemployment gap uh, on both the gender and a, a race uh, race basis. Um, we're 47th in the country in the wage gap between a working Hispanic New Jersey and, and the overall average 49th uh, for African American for the African American community. Uh, we can surely do a lot better than that, and let's get that let's get that gap as close to zero as we can on, a, on the way to going to zero. Again, that tells you something that, that's not going to be something that's done overnight. There's not a magic wand right. you can wave to make that happen, but it's a plan that's oriented around those kinds of goals, the fifth of which is reducing poverty in our cities, using poverty as an economic development indicator, not just a justice indicator or an equity indicator. It remains a justice indicator and an equity indicator, but we're not doing well as an economic development uh, policy matter if we're not creating the kind of growth that is lifting people out of poverty and putting them on a path to the middle class or better. We're not winning if we're not doing those things. We can we can create you know, a great business climate. We, can, we, we have to focus on those kinds of things. We want companies to do well. We want innovators to do well. But if we're not producing the kind of economic development strategies and outcomes that truly benefits people and lifts them either out of poverty or from poverty into the middle class or however you want to think about it, um, then, then I'm, I'm not sure we've done our job. That's such a huge holistic kind of wraparound approach to economic development that isn't traditional for any statewide agency. So the fact that NJEDA is really digging in deep and walking it like they talk it, I think is really impressive, especially for your first year. So super excited about that and the complete pivot that the organization is doing that's exciting across the state. And I'd also just compliment the fact that NJEDA has been doing these listening tours or did them early on when you guys had the plan to make sure, again, that it wasn't just one dimensional, but that you guys were talking to residents and talking to stakeholders that were going to be impacted by this. What were some of the highlights from being able to go around the state, talk to people, and see their excitement about this plan. Yeah, I think one of the things I think we can, um, you know, feel pretty good about and give ourselves decent grades on was the the process of how we gathered feedback to um, uh, to develop the plan that the governor put out last October. Um, some of that, some of the inputs of that plan were things like, you know, doing pretty rigorous, quite rigorous, you know, uh, analytics and data analysis around how our economy was doing, what other people were doing, looking at best practices, but also doing some very purposeful listening. Um, we went to, we, we met with leaders in I think every county, we might have lumped a couple together. It's Jersey, you got to cross every county. Exactly. <laughs> we, we, we were all over the state last summer, um, listening to local stakeholder groups, meeting with mayors and county, county leaders and, um, advocacy organizations, business groups, of course, labor, nonprofits, doing a lot of listening. And we heard a lot of um, uh, a lot of consistent messages that informed that plan, um, some of which were um, you know, regional specific. Some, you know, there was different perspectives mm -hmm. in various different regions, different counties, what those areas of focus were, different different priorities for different industries. You know, there's there's a different um, there's a different set of tools that are required to to encourage and support an innovation ecosystem in a startup economy than there are to support, you know, Main Street businesses, than there are to support large businesses that are either thinking about moving here from other places or, or staying and growing here. There's, those, are, those companies are, and those businesses and those, those people are at different phases of their, uh, of their evolution and you require a much more different, uh, excuse me, a much more diverse and specific set of tools to help encourage those parts of the economy. I think that's one of the things that was one of the most sort of um, consistent pieces of yeah. feedback we heard was that EDA and the state needed more tools than uh, than the tools we have available. Um, we needed more comprehensive and targeted and tailored tools um, to to pursue the kind of inclusive economic development that I think everyone wants to see. 
uh, you know, incentives are, are part of the equation. They have to be part of the equation, mm-hmm. but they can't be the only part of the equation. They can't be the, um, they can't be the sole focus. Um, and the good news is EDA has and has a long history of having other tools in the toolkit, like uh, you know, supporting small businesses and uh, lending Talk for small business. Talk about the small business piece right now, and then sure. we'll jump into incentives because you touched on it. Sure. But you guys at the EDA recently created a new division. We guys. Just, we guys <laughs> at EDA recently. We just folks, <laughs> by the way, not guys. <laughs> we folks, we are collective, yeah. all-encompassing. Yeah diversity amongst gender, et cetera. Um, but also with that, uh, created at the EDA this year was a division specifically for small business, and there's been a ton of outreach to different chambers. Can you talk about why that's so important as you talk about the different tools in addition to incentives that are so important? Yeah, small business represents an enormously important part of the uh, of the economy, and particularly you know Main Street businesses that represent you know the beating heart of a lot mm-hmm. of different communities. Um, you know, if you think about vitality as a competitive advantage, um, and long-standing small businesses or new small businesses that are restaurants and bars and coffee shops and and the serv- you know service businesses like you know dry cleaners and and businesses that that make a neighborhood a neighborhood, mm-hmm. uh, we have to be doing more to help them, um, you know, thrive and prosper in the 21st century economy. Technology is changing the way those businesses operate and have to mm-hmm. operate in a big way. Um, some of that's good, some of that's less good. Uh, and so, how do we both you know manage through that change and help those companies adopt? Uh, excuse me, adapt and. and and thrive. Um, and so we also have to be honest and realistic about the fact that um, small businesses generally struggle to access capital, particularly minority, women, veteran, LGBT, and immigrant-owned businesses, despite, you know, you know the economy's better today than it was five or ten years ago, but those businesses are still struggling to access capital. There's lots of different reasons, depending on which of those communities you're talking about, why that's true. Some of it's better understood than other others but we have to have as a state you know we're a mission you know we have a mission here to create inclusive economic development um, and to create jobs in lots of different parts of the, parts of the economy so we have to have tools that are purpose-built and purpose-driven to access excuse me to to to, to address those gaps in the economy and so uh, yeah last year late last year late last uh, in 2018 we established a new small business office um, that builds on some of the existing uh, track record that EDA has but also is Equipped with a new $15 million pool of capital dedicated or focused uh, on minority women, huge. Uh, LGBT and veteran and immigrant-owned businesses, uh, as well as doing the kind of outreach that you were describing. One of the things that's most important is, again, th- there's not a one-size-fits-all solution for, for, for small businesses, just the same way there isn't for large businesses. We've got to be uh, nimble and um, agile in thinking about you know, if there's a particular problem or an issue in a particular community or in a particular you know, sub um substrate of, of the small business community, whether that's restaurants or retailers or, or uh, other sort of components of the small business economy. If we need a, perp, you know, if a specific tool to help those businesses, well, let's develop one. Let's work on uh, figuring out the solutions that would benefit those, or that would help address, you know, the particular challenges that, uh, that an industry, you know, small businesses in, in city A or city B or, you know, retailers across the state or, uh, you know, uh, mom and pop businesses across the state on Main Street are dealing with. And that's, by the way, not just EDA's um, uh, responsibility. We work very. We're thrilled to work very closely with the Lieutenant Governor and her team at DCA and their Main Street program. Uh, Leslie and the team at NJRA and the tools that they have available to support um, not just small businesses but Main Street, you know, Main Street redevelopment and Main Street revitalization in cities across the state. We got to work all together. There's not enough resources. There's not sufficient resources to meet all the challenges we have at once, and that makes partnership uh, a priority. And so that's something we have to work really, really hard on. 
I love this. And I work here, but even hearing this now makes me even more excited, especially for small businesses and the fact that you're reaching out to such a diverse audience and engaging the African-American Chamber of Commerce and the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. I think that is amazing, and it's, it's a really good pivot for the EDA. So excited about that. Changing topics for a second, um, a quiet topic over to incentives. Um, so in the Stronger Fair Plan, there are some really dynamic incentives that you guys outline. Can you go through some of the specific ones? Sure. So, you know, the governor's put forward, and we sit here in, in, in mid-June uh, recording this. And so um, this is kind of a real-time topic, so hopefully <laughs> this doesn't become stale by, you know, whenever this say airs or posts or the right podcast where it is um so the <laughs> it's a podcast i know it's a podcast i'm just saying airs or posts I'm, you know 38 but i'm an old 38 i forget what the right vocabulary is um the uh the governor's put forward a, a package of legislative proposals uh, that have five components uh, around incentives and again take a step back incentives have to be a tool in the toolkit they are you know there is a uh, competitive framework with other states with, mm -hmm. with cities in which we have to be um prepared to compete. The question is not do we have incentives or don't have incentives. The question is do you have the right kind of incentives and they're targeted exactly. and tailored and we have the right kind of oversight and accountability and the authority to get uh, companies to deliver on the promises they make. Uh, not just today and tomorrow, but three, four, ten years from now when when, when those commitments are due. Uh, and so what the governor's put forward is a package that is targeted, tailored, and capped um, to um, – focus on priority industries right now we have one of new jersey as we sit here on june 13th um, has one of the largest and most generous incentive programs in the country and one of the least targeted incentive programs in the country and so um, what we wanted what the governor's proposed to do is have an incentive program that has a fixed amount of tax credits per year a cap that would be focused primarily on uh, targeted priority industries places where new jersey has a competitive advantage today that we need to keep things like life sciences technology you know, financial services or things like clean energy, where we think if we do the right things and position the economy smartly, we could have a competitive advantage in the next you know, 20, 25 years, and that could mean lots of jobs for lots of people. Um, we also want to focus on trying to create those jobs and encourage those jobs to locate in places where those jobs would have the biggest impact, and that's principally our cities and other places that are served by transit. But if you look at our... Uh, if you look at unemployment rates, if you look at unemployment rates among communities of color, if you look at poverty rates in our cities, that's where the economic impact is needed. Uh, and if there's going to be a job created, we'd sure as heck like to see it in, I won't name the city, in, <laughs> well, I guess I will name the city, it's in Newark or Camden or, or, or Patterson or Trenton and, and lots, lots of, East Orange, of course, yeah. as long as it's near your house, that's fine. Um, <laughs> the, um, make sure we're, but make sure we're creating opportunities that uh, benefit people that need uh you know, a leg up in the economy and having a, a ladder to the middle class or better. So can we talk about Aspire, yeah. Forward, Brownfields, Evergreen, and Historic? Um, in that order, of course, right? Um, but it's your again, podcast, whatever <laughs> order you like. Um, but again, why these five are, are important as a package deal and yeah. how they help feed off of each other. But let's talk about these five. Absolutely. So, you know, the, the, the five components of the program uh, that the governor's proposed, I think, are designed uh, – to have a to be comprehensive and to kind of support each other, and so forward is a sort of the successor to grow, and that's sort of the jobs and, and sort of corporate incentive program. But we're also there's three sets of tools in there that are really focused around placemaking and trying to make our cities and our uh, and the places that are served by transit and downtowns across the state stronger, bigger magnets for talent, and also that um, have a higher you know have a strong quality of life for people that have been in those communities for a long time. It's not just about new people. It's about uh, creating a uh, more vibrant economy for folks that are in those places today um, and have made those communities what they are today. 
Uh, and so Spire is a is a gap financing tool that is focused principally around things like transit-oriented development. Let's turn surface parking lots into assets that contribute here, vitality here. to a community. <laughs> that could be whatever the community wants. To, yeah. That could be affordable housing. That could be market rate housing. That could be you know, retail. That could be a grocery store. It could be recreation. could be a bowling alley. But surface parking lots in places that are served by transit have a higher and better use. Um but places, people also need places to park their cars, and so there's there's a there's a trade off there, and there's sometimes a gap in the financeability of those projects. Um, let's also take a big run in our brownfields and and, and preserving our historic properties. Brownfields, uh, for those who don't uh, follow this as closely as, as Ty and I do, brownfields are you know contaminated properties or historic um, you know, industrial properties that have been vacant or underutilized. And if you drive if you drive through our cities and some of our suburbs, you see these places. You know, some of them are real big and big hulking factories that kind of loom over a neighborhood and and create a uh, you know negative set of externalities around them but some of them are you know gas stations that have been vacant and abandoned for you know a few years that no one wants to touch because they're contaminated we can't really let those places languish they they have first of all there's huge upside in redeveloping them they add rateables to to community uh, to you know town uh, property tax rolls uh, and they also have the opportunity to create jobs and remove a problem from a neighborhood so if you've got a gas station that is you know dirty and abandoned and vacant that doesn't do anything to help the people that live nearby. Whether that's doesn't create any jobs, does it creates, um, you know, a pretty gloomy climate around them. Um, so let's take a big run at that. The governor's uh, got a proposal for a brownfield tax credit. The other one's an historic tax credit. New Jersey's got, and particularly our cities, small cities and, and larger cities, have these architectural gems that, with a little extra, you know, uh, love and attention and investment, um, you know, could be the home to the innovation economy once again. You Absolutely. know, Jane Jacobs. Is, not without some irony that an economic development person and a former investment banker quotes Jane Jacobs. I love but, that you're doing that. But here I go. Um, <laughs> you know, new ideas need old buildings. Right. And so if we want to, if you think about an old factory or, you know, an old warehouse that could be converted into, you know, artist lofts or could be converted into an incubator for the tech, you know, for the tech industry or a commercial kitchen that, you know, immigrant entrepreneurs can build a business that's based at home right now and bring that out into the um you know, into an office space or, you know, excuse me, into like an incubator type of space. Those are great, great reuses. New Jersey is one of just 15 states across the country that doesn't have a state-level historic, prop, excuse me, state-level uh, tax credit to match the federal mm-hmm. credit. As a result, we've seen very little historic redevelopment um, in our state. We've seen some great examples of it. It's not to say that we don't have any. Yeah. And the, the trust and the other groups that are out there working hard on this, you know, deserve our, our, our appreciation and our, um, and our support. Let's do more. Um, and so whether you, know, you drive around a place like Trenton or Camden or Patterson, you see these buildings that were have been you know neglected for too long. Let's not knock them down and put something new there. Let's preserve and, and cherish that architectural history. Let's cherish the history of the innovation that happened in those places um, and, and, and redevelop them. And then the last piece, um, if I can just go on in a little soliloquy here because you asked me to, <laughs> um, is, is the Evergreen Fund. So back to sort of the innovation economy. The innovation economy needs a place to take route. Take, to take root, excuse me, and that's um, and that's why the the placemaking things are so important. Talent is the most important ingredient in the twenty first century economy. Um, we also though need more growth uh, capital to support young entrepreneurs and old entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs of any age um, that for, that have young companies um, to grow their uh, to grow the innovation economy. New Jersey, as recently as two thousand and seven, was fifth in the country for the amount of venture capital invested in companies here by 2017 that fall into 15th once you follow the top 10 in state rankings and stuff like that you're with a group you'd rather not be compared with we, mm-hmm. we've got to get back to you know top 10 top five in venture capital um, so what the governor's proposes is a novel uh, and innovative program in its own right that would use tax credits to partner with big companies mm-hmm. 
you know, think big pharma, big, you know, big, well-capitalized, large companies in New Jersey um, to, uh, to create investment capital that would go to, into New Jersey startups. The way this would work is we would, if, if the legislature, you know, enacts this and the governor signs it. Like positivity when they do, when, when they, they do, do when, when they do. When, <laughs> if, if enacted, uh, we would have a, uh, we, we, the, the proposal requests a, an amount of tax credits. The governor's proposal is $60 million per year for five years. We would auction those tax credits to, um, you know, presumably to large companies, they would bid on two two factors. One, price. What are they willing mm-hmm. to pay for that tax credit? These things typically have traded in the 90, 92 cents of the dollar uh, range. But also, what are they willing to do to support the innovation economy? That could take lots of different forms. That could mean you know, a company committing to purchase some of its technology supply chain from New Jersey startups. That could mean mentoring uh, you know, young people who are considering going into that field. That could mean... Um, mentoring on companies that could mean sponsoring an incubator on with an excess space that a company might have could mean lots of things um so we would then take those the the proceeds of that auction and partner them with real private venture capital that is willing to invest their own money and we would go at least dollar for dollar no more than a dollar for dollar we hope it's one of ours 10 of theirs um to invest in new jersey startups and the only condition or the main condition of that would be that the company that's being invested in has to be in new jersey and so over time, if we think we've run this program the way we expect it to work, we'd have a pool of about $500 million wow. of investment capital to invest in New Jersey startups. That The size of the fund is important um, because it's two things. One, that's a big enough number. It, it has already perked up the ears of uh, entrepreneurs and venture capitalists, not just in our neighboring states and, and, and cities like New, Jer- uh, New York and Philadelphia, but as far away as California and as, you know, as far away as Europe and Israel. Uh, folks have taken notice. That's a that's a that's a game changer kind of uh, program. That it could mean it could influence, you know, companies to choose to be here as opposed to someplace else because they'd be able to access that fund. The second piece is that that kind of size, um, it's big enough to invest in potentially in a few uh, life science and biotechnology companies. Uh, that's a di- there's a different amount of startup capital needed to get a drug to market than there is to get a, a dating app, you know, onto your phone. Um, <laughs> there's just much. It's a much more capital intensive. Um, um, uh, capital intensive exercise and, and much riskier um, and you know a million dollars doesn't go as far in, bio, in life sciences as it does in, in a digital media or a tech startup and so a, a fund that is 500 million dollars you know we think potentially could help replenish New Jersey's pipeline of young growing bioscience companies that could turn into the next great big New Jersey bioscience company. So this is huge five new programs exciting stuff on the horizon EDA has a CEO that also quotes Jane Jacobs. I don't know if you guys caught that, but that is a huge pivot for economic development. I think you're making fun of me, Ty. No, no, no. <laughs> I love Jane Jacobs. Um, but I like the fact that EDA has a CEO that understands the importance of people and places, which is truly impressive. Um, any last thoughts before we close out? Yeah, the other thing I should mention, uh, while, we're, while we're thinking about new programs, uh, we have a lot of responsibilities with regard to programs that we run today. And um, it... it the film tax credit. I forgot film about Film tax credit's a new right. one, too. I was actually thinking more about um, some of the legacy, the programs that are set to expire in a few weeks. Um, where we have, you know, we, we have, we've done a lot and we have more work to do to get, um, to get uh, better at, at uh, making sure that we're doing all the right things around compliance and transparency and making sure that uh, we're holding companies accountable to the promises they make and have the data that we need to evaluate those investments to make sure that the taxpayers know uh, what they've gotten for their historic investment, their, their previous investments, and that we can look them in the eye and, and give them some conf- give them confidence that what they invest in the future, uh, they'll get what they 
look at what they bargained for. And so we've, you know, we're investing in, you know, the people, the processes and the systems that we need to do to, to be first, you know, a first class organization with regard to transparency, compliance and oversight, uh, which are incredibly important. We're stewards of taxpayer dollars and we have um, you know, no higher obligation than uh, making sure that those investments are, are made properly and overseen correctly. And that's something we're spending a lot of time on at the same time as we're trying to develop these new programs, which are incredibly exciting, but can't do one without the other. Exactly right. And again, so the important thing here is transparency, Jane Jacobs, investing in people, investing in places, and really pushing the New Jersey Economic Development Authority and the state of New Jersey forward. So very happy to have our CEO, Tim Sullivan, here for this e-conversation. Thanks for having me on. This was fun.